Today, we explore the intersections of mental health, mortality, and sacred plant medicines. Welcome to Exploring Possibilities, facilitating quantum shifts in consciousness, because that's the way we like it. I'm your host, Cheryl Sitz, broadcasting from the studio of show creator, producer Mario Rosales. We really appreciate the time that you spend with us, and we also appreciate you telling your friends our audience just keeps growing, and that's down to you. Thank you so much. We also appreciate your financial support at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. It allows us to keep bringing you this show and paying for all the little toys that make it possible. Mario's little studio here. By the way, we have gone video. You may be watching this video on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz, and we appreciate that. If you'd like to see our shining, smiling faces, you can do that there. And we're still going to be on all the familiar audio feeds, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and so on. Let us know what you think at journeyofpossibilities.com. We want to keep improving this show for you. And joining us today is Ken Brenneman. Hi, I'm Mario Rosales. You know, if you're a GoDaddy user, one of the things to keep in mind is that when you cancel that account within 90 days, you lose everything. Email, if you're doing hosting, email through them, your website. So here's a little tip. If you haven't done it already, go ahead and put everything into like a Word document and save it. And if you want to move to another provider, go ahead and give me a call and I can help you rebuild a whole nother website. I use WordPress and that one we can take it anywhere. You don't even have to use my hosting and we can help you out with everything there. Just let me know. Give me a call. Contact me at MarioRosales.com. Ken Brenneman is an Oakland, California-based licensed clinical social worker and certified yoga therapist, passionate about nudging Western mental health paradigms regarding safe, legal, ethical integration of sacred plant medicines or psychedelics. Ken has, here we go, a thanatological approach. Now, for the rest of us, that's the study of mortality, to holding space for others and a deep reverence for spirit as he acknowledges each of us must find our own way to make sense of the experience of being human. For a hint at how Ken attempts to understand his own being human, he combines the essence of Kierkegaard's, and I quote, live life forward, understand it backward. With Ram Dass's quote, we are all walking each other home. I found Ken online doing a webinar that I really enjoyed, and you can find him online anytime at kenbrenneman.com. And of course, he joins us now. Hi, Ken. Hi, Cheryl. Thank, Thank you for that you. warm introduction. Thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate it. I know it's so close to the holiday. So thank you for making this time. Well, thank you for the extended foreplay of really settling into this this conversation. This has been an exciting lead up to finally getting to connect with you. Yes, yes. And connecting is what it's all about right now, isn't it? Not only with the pandemic that we're coming hopefully out of, but also the holidays. So it's a really, it's been a stressful time for a lot of people. And I know you work with that directly, don't you? I, I do. And I recently just yesterday sent out my holiday greeting, which was kind of a hard one for people to take in, but I just simply named it Thanks Grieving 2021. Mm. And this paradox of having to hold both gratitude, but a lot of, of loss and shift in everyone's life. Yes. And how to either think of that as an, an inevitable painful paradox, or perhaps a shift into accepting that they actually can supportively and lovingly feed off of each other. Yes. 
Well, I guess we're going to dive into grief first because you kind okay. of went there with that email. And everybody's like, oh, grief. Who wants to hear about grief? And that's the first step, isn't it? Is acknowledging the elephant in the room that this has been a hard time for all of us. And there is grief, even for those that have had the best possible experience during the pandemic. There's been a lot of loss in transition from the planet. There's been loss of physical contact. There's been a lot of fear mongering by the media and just so much to take in. Yeah. I mean, the, the image that comes up, even as you say that Cheryl is like grief is kind of the, the general requirement of any uh, degree or certification. We, we're all asked to sit in that classroom in one way or another. And I feel in a death avoidant culture, the more of us that say, yes, this is not easy. And yes, we need to create ritual, we need to create community around the loss is, is uh, I'm not alone in that rallying and, and, you know, love shout out to the world. But I do think it needs to be repeated so that we can remind each other that yes. it's it is part of the journey. Yes. And even the most spiritual beings, while we celebrate making it to the grandiose other side for the loved ones, we, we grieve, we miss them. We miss, I, I communicate with those loved ones I have on the other side all the time. So there's the convenience of I can talk to you any place, anytime, but I can't hug you. I can't hold you. I can't do those things. And I miss that. And I'm sure we all feel that way. Yeah. Uh, and, and in psychology, there's this, this uh, concept called object relations. And this idea that when we're really young, uh, a caregiver or a loved one, or even our favorite stuffed animal, since it is visual, mm-hmm. um, our favorite stuffed animal is outside of our view, and we think it no longer exists. And to a young, developing human mind, that's too much to handle. Mm-hmm. And even for the most evolved spiritual beings, we're we're still coming to this idea like, oh, they're no longer physically in our lives. How do we stay connected to them? Yes. And at a time of year when everything pushes us towards celebration, celebrate the holidays, celebrate, celebrate what all of this, and and the media looks very celebratory. And it's like, but what about the heavier feeling that we all have of all of this funk that we're coming through, that we're supposed to then just put it all away and be excited and be happy and hug each other. And, and I also want to mention that this this pandemic has divided families among the living over what what choices are you making and what choices am I making? And well, then we don't want you to come over here or you can't come over here. There's been so much division adding to that. Well, if we put on the frame of grief or we're all thanatologists in our own <laughs> mind, even if we, even if that does not roll off of our tongue, but if, each of us sat with a thanatological view of mortality as, as a connecting for all of us, what we might see is so much of that division is, is unresolved and undealt with grief. Yes. And, and it's festering to come to the surface and say, please just spend some time with me. Yes. Wow, that's so good. 
And it is, it's our own fear of death and dying that causes us to put up walls and isolate and push away. And yet that only contributes to the very negative feelings that we're having, the isolation, the, the fear, the, it's, that's when we really need to reach out and hug somebody and, and move through that fear. Right. Right. Yes. And like you're saying this, this time where we're, we're zooming or FaceTiming or connecting virtually that natural instinct to be able to reach out is somewhat hindered, which I also think is an opportunity for us to rely on ancient technology within ourselves, such as heart texting or meta meditation or Tonglen meditations, all of which I can elaborate on. But so many practices, modern and ancient, exist that we can and do connect with one another. Would you speak just a moment about those practices you mentioned? Sure. Well, heart texting is something I suggest to anyone that sits with me in, in sacred plant medicine space. There'll be this sometime in the middle of their psychedelic journey, there'll be this instinct or urge to want to pick up their phone and call someone. Um, and I'll say, first, can we sit for a moment and just see if your heart can send out a text to them? Right? And that that's similar to what meta meditation is, which is a loving kindness meditation. It has many layers that can just start with ourselves or send it out to someone we love or start with a random stranger that cut us off at the, the supermarket of, and, and then there's Tonglen, which is also bringing what might feel paradoxical to be complementary energy. I'm going to breathe into whatever suffering or discomfort I know is right here. I'm going to breathe out an offering of condolence, of patience, of equanimity. Um, so the breath can also be a place where we sort of synthesize very challenging sort of um, somewhat opposing energies and soften them into being, you know, right there with us. Mm, I love that. And it also flagged for me that I became much more open to recognizing when I'm receiving a heart text or a thought from someone, because for so long, it was like, what a coincidence. I was just thinking about you. Not a coincidence. So being aware of what we're receiving as well as how we can be sending out. I think technology is an introductory tool for us to realize that we can do all of these things without it, but we kind of can work with it to become more aware of when it's happening without it. Absolutely. Right. I, I believe that we have these these apps within us, and it's really just about sitting with them or finding a even a joyful or playful way of upgrading them. I like that language. That's fun. (laughs) You are quite witty. I just, I loved when I got to listen to you talking about the plant medicine and how that can be used working with embracing more of our own mortality and finding a peace in the journey that is our lives. And I would love for you to share a little bit about how the plant medicines have woven into the conversations that you have to help us. I know it's been expansive for me, so I can only imagine in a structured format toward that end. Well, and my head was spinning a little bit this morning when I woke up and was walking going, I get to sit with Cheryl today. And Cheryl said over a year ago that we wouldn't really solidify the topic until we sit together. And that made so much sense as I was walking and spinning less and less because 
things have changed dramatically in the past year and a half since I did that, that webinar. Yes. And, you know, I'd like to pause and just say that the one reason that I find the plant medicines to be both, um, you know, life altering for me, but also this perhaps more cautionary language that I may use in this interview that I would have used a year and a half ago, as I think we're also at a point in this culture of saying, we need to enlist our best harm reduction approach to bringing in something so powerful yes. into the mainstream. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Because I have seen a runaway frenzy in that direction. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It's so yeah. precious. It's so sacred. Yeah. Well, and if I can just flag a very current headline that I saw, a particular former weight boxer yes. came online and you can elaborate if you feel like giving any more to the headline, but like claims that one is using this sacred medicine many times over in a day. And I'm just, my heart is going, that is that's not the way no. that is such a level of spiritual emergence. See emergency <laughs> that <laughs> emergency yes. that um, the, the reason to really think of where we want the, the small amount of medicine to heal these huge wounds yes. that we're all kind of walking around societally, familially, ancestrally, and just individually. Um, yes. Thank you for that. Yes, it's so important. And yeah. and I did that too. I didn't do that to that extreme, but I got kind of lost in it initially because it was such a much more beautiful space than my daily life. And oh, wow. And, and I just love that wow, right? And so I spent more time in there than I probably needed to. And when I finally recognized what was happening, I've spent all this time still continuing to integrate all the ahas that, that were left unprocessed by going back into another ceremony. It's like the veil is removed and you can see everything. And how many lifetimes would that take just to process one ceremony? <laughs> so very true. And perhaps that is how we you know we're, we're, we're mortals in this body. We may have a lot of, of ancestral wisdom and Akashic records that we have access to. The reality is we're living in a very young culture and it's still in its mere pre, what preteen phase of, of making sense of being in the world. And we're here swimming in that. And it's, it's both somewhat death avoidant, but also trauma inducing of a culture um, and yet there's so much potential for us to, to finding our center within that. And I think plant medicines aren't going anywhere. Psychedelics will you know, soon be a, a legal form of medicalized treatment. So how can we sort of bow to how amazingly intelligent these you know, molecules, spirit molecules are and, and learn from them? Yes. One of the great benefits that I have had from working with them as it relates to the topic of mortality is I no longer question things like reincarnation or a lot of the dogma that I was taught, whether whatever handbook or textbook or whatever it was based out of. It's like 
going into that experience, even if that wasn't the, the primary question on my heart, so much information's given that suddenly I know my truth. I don't need to believe or not believe all these teachings. My truth is available to, for a direct experience. And it changes the way I live my life because now I do know it's not which which book do I believe, which guru do I believe? It's like, oh, that's what's going on here. Yes. Yeah. And if we do want to put on our 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 scientific lens and look at some of the research, right? Someone someone has mapped out 10, 10 categories of universally experienced uh phenomena when when people have a near-death experience. Not everyone has all 10 of them, but they're common across the world. And then those that have drank ayahuasca, there's also research that that they experience almost all of those in a, in a you know in a in like conscientiously induced manner. So of course that expansion that you speak of brings us into whoa there, there's the big mystery to behold. And then we come back to our, our like our our regular consciousness, like the the integration or implementation of that is is there to you know. Uh, just be offered as a gift. Yeah. Mario just slid a note in front of me about your t-shirt. It's a fabulous t-shirt you're wearing for this interview. <laughs> really good stuff. And and <laughs> that's you, what we're talking about. Yeah, right. Isn't that what we're talking about? Perspective. Like when I am, I am this walking accumulation of all my stories and all my beliefs and all my perspectives and all my exposures and all my ancestors and all this stuff. And then I experience this ceremonial sacred space where all of that is peeled away and I simply am. And it is the most profound, powerful experience of all. And from that, it's not like it, it did take away my identities, but only now I can choose. It's, it's the power that comes from choosing instead of being a, a, an unconscious victim of, right? And so now I can choose how I want to feel about my life and my death and really all of it. Yeah. It's humbling. It is it's quite humbling. So why did you decide that you wanted to use this with your clients in that way? What was it that? May I speak from my, my own personal journey? Please. Yeah. So I, I was 18 when my mom died and I probably spent a big chunk of time after that following the teachings of my family, which was avoid the grief, mm -hmm. stay away from that place, close it down. So there was a part of my journey where I landed in San Francisco, one of the gay meccas, and was introduced to recreational use of MDMA. And, and, and so there was, there was something that was cathartic about that, but there was also something almost seductively avoidant about it as well. So the euphoria was there and the ahas may be there, but also the, the sitting with perhaps the pain of, of grieving and early loss never really showed up. Mm -hmm. So along the way, um, I had a couple of close calls with uh, GHB and actually had what I would call near-death experiences in settings that were not meant to be near-death experiences. Wow. And so simultaneously, as I was training as a yoga teacher, um, and yeah, we are such a myriad of, of contradictions in our lives, aren't we? <laughs> uh, along came some people further along their paths, not that there's a competition or a race, but they were, they were sharing about how they 
step into these circles of queer men and, and journey with a former Mormon couple that had turned into medicine carriers. And they invited, invited me into those circles. It took me about four years to say yes to it. I always had all the right, right reasons to say no. Once I sat there, the first, th- the first image that I, I had in that medicine circle was this very misshapen, almost like a, I don't know, hunchback of Notre Dame type ego self pulling all of this, this, I guess, wreckage out onto a beach and just asking the ocean to cleanse it. And it turned into this beautiful beach glass. And so that part of my ego was saying, there's healing here, stay with this. So a little bit later, a similar um, invitation was there. I was introduced to a different medicine. That was that was ayahuasca. And I could stay with it much longer. And that allowed me not just to have sort of images of, of perhaps my ego, but I actually got to be a, a witness of my last conversation with my mom on her deathbed. Wow. And the medicine just held me there and said, watch. And this is why seasonally, if I can just lean into, I'm pretty convinced the Christmas Carol is a major plant medicine journey in disguise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but my future self got to see my past self doing the best he could possibly be in that given moment. And I just held myself past, future and present and forgave so much, forgave my mom for not being able to show up earlier in my life, forgave myself for not being able to show up for her when she needed me. And we just sat with, we did the best we could, huh? Wow. And that, that's, that showed me the, the potential to keep working on forgiveness for myself and alleviating the weight of trying to avoid grief. So ayahuasca is really my, my grief teacher. Um, so I like to think of this you know, prolonged grief disorder that DSM promotes as, as a way of framing it as, you know, that's one of the experiences I had is like, it just numbed me out for a big chunk of my life. And a plant medicine woke me up to how much love I could hold in my heart. Wow. You language that all so beautifully. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And, and I relate to it as somebody that did street drugs for a while to forget and to numb out and then came back to plant medicine later in life. And, and wow, just have, I have had such deep, deep healing with it that I can't say enough about it. And I also have come to understand that it's not necessarily for everyone. And so someone that's wondering, how do I get to a place where I, I can feel right working with it? Because I don't feel that. Don't worry about it. You know, we can sit yeah. and do so many other things. It's not for everyone necessarily, but it sure can be a precious gift if we're called to it. And, and to borrow the, the dual track model of bereavement, which is on one side of that, there is work. There, there's active grieving and tending to the, the continuing bond. The other side of that track is rest and restoration. And I think that that formulates quite an important duality that helps us with plant medicine. When do we lean into the work and when do we rest yes. and, and integrate? Yes. I have to say that you have one of the most peaceful demeanors 
for someone who works with something that we just don't talk about here, grief, we don't talk about, oh, how can you work with sadness? How can you stand to see so much sadness in the world and still have so much peace about yourself? I mean, I can hear all these questions almost come up in my own self from my past of things I would have asked you because you are so peaceful. How do you respond to those kinds of thoughts and questions from anyone? Mm, if they say, whoa, you're so peaceful with all this. Yeah. How are you so peaceful <laughs> around so much grief and encouraging everybody to be in their grief? Where is the peace in that? Well, there's, there's something about sitting with you that, that does make me want to share from the very personal level of that, which is, you know, another part that ayahuasca has brought into formulating a, a holder sense of who I am at 52 is befriending the parts of myself that I left behind. And that's not just the 18-year-old self. There's there's very early versions of myself that got trapped or lost. And I think it's Sandra Ingram, Ingramman. Am I saying her name right? Mm, yeah, um, she's good. She, yeah, her, her process of, of soul retrieval. I, I think of this as my own personal soul remembrance, that, that there's a part that maybe was stuck back as a, a very young child that was like, was I an unwanted child or not? And feeling into the world. And when I get to meet that part of me that was confused or lost and invite him into to me, not only do I feel more at peace with who I am, but I can also perhaps ground enough so that when someone else is trying to do the same, that I can remind them that it's possible. And please, the other shirt I would wear was work in progress because... <laughs> I'm not figured any and all this out. And to be completely truthful, I'm so glad that we didn't do the interview when we had it scheduled. I think the summer I went through my own grief cocoon Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't holding space for as many people as I would have been normally. And I had to lean into doing more self-healing. So I, I think that it's also a humble reminder that we show up as best we can and we remind ourselves when it's time to take care of ourselves. Yes. Yes, this show has been a great teacher for me in going with the flow because I have guests cancel, guests reschedule. I can't, you know, it, it, it has a lot of movement to it. And for someone that's been an organizer and a planner all my life, it's, it's really been a great teacher in letting go and trusting the flow that the best possible versions of us are going to show up exactly when it's time. <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah. Um, to, to add one more layer of the, the, the question that you're asking, I, I find at this juncture of my life, it's so important to realize what, what I'm capable of doing and what I need to say no to. Because saying no to many things means I've said yes to myself. Mm. And I feel very much that I'm right-sized in what I can offer my community. And I'm okay with that. Um, I am so grateful there are the Rick Doblins out there that say, let's build a whole nonprofit that's going to shift the paradigm. And then there's humble practitioners like myself that we're going to keep tending to the the local communities that we serve. And we're going to be a big part of this paradigm shift too. Yes. We're all doing our part, right? Yes, we are. Who do you tend to attract into this community that you speak about, that you serve? Uh, hmm. Well, my, I think my inner circle of, of my community is, is my queer community. My, 
I feel committed to to serving. Um, and of course, word of mouth within the the Oakland area and the Bay Area that that ripples out into people that are, gosh, uh, I guess psychedelically inclined and <laughs> curious. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I mean, those mind states come in all different ways. I know lots of people that have way more psychedelically inclined lives and have never touched a plant medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people that just sat in a, in a sound bath and they're like, whoa, can I tell you about the visuals I had? Yeah. And so it's amazing to see that the people that show up have an interest in perhaps going a little bit deeper and perhaps I'm saying like, I am right here for you. And the, the, the way that I pr- present myself is I say, I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, I'm a lifeguard because you already know how to swim. I'll also swim out there with you and remind you of the ways that you may have forgotten how to swim at times. So I can be, I can be a swim coach a little bit, but predominantly what I am is, is I'm just an energy cheerleader and I am rallying around seeing you become the hero of your own story. And so I think people that can have an affinity with any of those arts, those are the ones that I attract. I just love you to pieces. I, if we lived closer to, closer to you, we'd probably be part of your physical community too. I just love what you're putting out. Your messages are brilliant. And and I have to say that what I think part of the resonance that I feel with you is you kind of live on the edge. I mean, to be a gay man in the U.S. and to to pronounce yourself as someone who works with psychedelics and to be talking openly about grief, you're not the majority in any of those category, putting yourself in all those categories definitely puts you on the fringes of mainstream society. And I think as another person that lives on the fringes of society, I'm like, oh, there you are. Hi. <laughs> Do you see yourself as that? You kind of looked mm. at me like like you weren't really seeing yourself the way I was describing you. Well, the I guess being born into the world and and looking out and being like, whoa, I'm already different. And yet as a white male, I can switch into blending in into mm. the, you know, all that privilege, all, all of that, that safety that comes with, with looking like this. Right. But I never really felt that comfortable in my own skin. In fact, if I, if I go on record, I grew up pondering if I was in the right species. Oh, and, interesting. In, in, in fact, my, my bucket list of the pandemic has stepped up where next year I hope to go visit the mountain gorillas of Uganda. Wow. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and the travel, the travel agency that, that's helping with that, they, they knew right away, they wrote it in and saved it and sent me the email and goes, this is Ken's pilgrimage. And I'm not alone in that. But anyways, I, I think the that. point being that to be in the human condition and be able to either have a gift like you have or just look around and go, whoa, how did I get here? It, it provides us with this great lifelong opportunity to be like, let's let's just get a little more comfortable with who we are and get a little bit more courageous in saying, hey, would, would you like to figure out who you are too? And um, that 
I feel more and more comfortable in in that role. That's perfect. Yes, I and and I have white skin and I live in a middle class neighborhood. I mean, I can see what you're saying. So I think we're all misfits in our own unique way. Yes. We're all our own flavor of misfit. And so mine may not be on the surface, it may be deeper, but being adopted already puts me in a smaller group. You know, so I have my own things that set me apart. And I think we all do. And I'm amazed at, I have a a dear friend out in California as well, who is a black gay male working with gay men and, and working through the, the black issues as well. And so, you know, that we, we really are all unique in our own ways and it is coming to love that uniqueness. If we could all just shine brightly in the uniqueness that we are, what a beautiful tapestry we'd make. Yeah. Beautifully stated. Ooh, I got, I got <laughs> warm tingles up and down my skin. Uh, and you know, to to perhaps oversimplify this experience of being having an identity as a gay male, gay white male. There's also like learning how to live in that identity. But I think it, in tandem, there's also the journey of letting go of what the ego needs or wants as far as what those identities are. Yeah. Um, and that could, the same thing could be said for money. Same thing could be said for a million other buckets we could talk about, right? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> How do we identify ourselves and what is the driving force behind that identity? Right. So true. I knew I was going to love chatting with you. Mm. What else you want to talk about today? <laughs> we well, can go anywhere I mean, you want to go. I, I have been used to being in podcast settings where they're like, don't, don't say anything that's time sensitive because it'll become outdated so quickly. But I've got to (laughs) say, I am so very excited that there will be a matrix four. And I have been excited about this for a very long time. And even if people are listening to this after it's come out and it was perhaps it's a major flop and I'm (laughs) wrong on this. I'm, I'm, I'm betting that the Wachowski that decided to step in and, and tell something more about the story has something really important to say. Yes. And, and, you know, that is just one metaphor that I've resonated with since what what that came, the first one came out in the late, was it nineties? I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. It's been a while. Long time ago, but it still gives us this opportunity to look at who we are, the paradigm around us and what has so dramatically shifted over the last couple of years is really potentially freed us up from a lot. Now we can go right back to like, when are we getting back to normal? When are we getting back to normal? Or what is the, the new, uh, I guess the new paradigm waiting for us to give birth to. And I believe it's change. I believe it's perpetual change. I, I, I use the analogy of we're all kind of looking for where to stand, where's the solid ground to stand on, and it's gone. We don't need it anymore. And, and it's just retraining the mind. I don't need that solid ground. I don't need to know what's next. What can I help create, right? It's, it's a complete flip of the way we're used to living our lives. And the layer and, of grief that comes with that because it's kind of scary and, and, and the old idea that somebody's going to come in and save me and it's all going to be, my rescuer must be on their way. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, a, a, a philosopher, Daniel Quinn, who wrote Ishmael, oh, kind of is a, a, a 
Right. It kind of got me started in reading different philosophers like Charles S. Stein. But Daniel Quinn's question is like, no, we, we, we with old minds cannot create the new so much as we can just make space for it. And, and I'm happy to be considered an old mind, even if I'm seen as living on the fringe, because there is no way that I can envision what will come next. And yet I want to keep myself open to the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. And we're here to be part of that, whether we can envision it or not. We're like, okay, here we go. And, 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 you know, we joke about putting your seatbelt on, but I don't even think we need that anymore. So it's like, okay, I'm ready to fly. And if we circle back to the, the harm reduction component of plant medicines, it is important that we're securing our own oxygen mask first. Yes. I'm, I'm, I get to facilitate a, a process group uh, with a Salt Lake City based nonprofit that is doing training for future psychedelic therapists. And what's really interesting is the amount need for us to take care of ourselves. Right? I, I can't fake being here, peaceful, grounded for very long without someone figuring out like he's faking it. Yeah. Then I really need to circle back around and be like, how am I not taking care of myself? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I was out at a shop this morning and someone said, you know, this, this year is going to be remembered as a time that nobody would take responsibility for anything. No one would be accountable for anything. And I wasn't guided to respond to him, but I certainly am guided to share it. Now, I believe this is going to be the time that we realized we're the ones. It's time to take responsibility for me. Instead of it always being somebody else's fault, responsibility, problem, right. when I show up and see where my role is in that, that, there is an empowerment with that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And from my own personal experience of having the insight that I wasn't a wanted child, that there is a really good chance that my mom would have checked out with just her first son and be done with it. Like I... I know this to be true. The plants have really shown me that. And I don't hold her responsible for that. But I'm saying this to each of us that we we didn't create all of this. And yet now we've chosen to be a part of it. Yes. And to tend to the ancestral healing that's possible, the planetary healing that is so possible. Yeah. It's all right here. This morning I came across the question, so now what? I really like that question. Yeah. It's a great one to sit with as we look around at at exactly where we are. So now what? Now yeah. what do I want to be in the world? What do I want to bring into the world? What do I want to help in the world? What yeah. is my part? Now what? And those two words, uh, there's actually a sign in, uh, near the Oakland Lake that, that we spend once a week cleaning up of after we do yoga. But it's, it, you know, now what? Even if we can't further that as a question, it gives us such a richness of saying, well, it's now is all I've got. And I have the courage to sit with the question. Yes, exactly. And and not need to further it anymore until we're ready to ask right. more. Yeah. And that's the question that Mario and I discussed this morning is it's very easy to get into a place where, well, I've got these podcast guests lined up. I've got these tasks lined up. I've got these people showing up. We, we almost become responsive to our own creation of an agenda 
that takes us out of the question, now what? And into, well, now I've got to do this because then I've got to do that because then this and that. And so it's, for me, this part of the shift is learning how to balance having some podcast guests lined up, having something out there with also the time and the space to make sure that I'm still responding to what's showing up for me now today that's not already on my calendar. New new business, if you will. <laughs> right. New right. me. And right? We're we're in some ways we're we're not unlike orb spiders. Do you, do you know what orb spiders do? Talk about it. I, I'm familiar with them. Go ahead, please. Let's talk <laughs> about this. Under, my understand. My understanding is the one one behavioral phenomenon about orb spiders that I'm intrigued with is that during full eclipses, they go so into spinning their webs, they become so creative in the darkness. Oh, I right? love that. And then once the eclipse is gone, they just go back to the pace which they were. And we humans were. Probably think, gosh, does this feel like an eclipse right now? And some of us might be, you know, spending a lot of creative webbing. But that is so important for connecting with one another, too. Yes. So listening to our own hearts. Is it my time to be still? Is it my time to go out into the world? What is it my time for? Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you have coming up? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you mean in the immediate? I, whatever uh, you want to talk right, about, right, whatever right. you're up to well, next. <laughs> well, since this will be out before it actually happens, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a very humble fundraiser for a food pharmacy in San Francisco and actually in Southern California. It's, it's Health Right 360 and it's on, on Sunday, December 19th. If anyone wants to see my website, it's just, we, we, it's a second annual and we were able to raise a few hundred dollars last year. So we decided to give it another go. Uh, it's a wonderful program that helps not just um, distribute food, but also um, culinary skills, um, nutritional training. It's it's a wonderful program, and um, I'm looking forward to ringing my singing bowls for a whole 75 minutes. So even if you can only contribute a small amount to them, um, it's it's a wonderful uh, way to lean back and slow things down when it seems like the end of the year speed up is happening all around us. Absolutely. Um, and it's also a, a weekly event I have in Oakland, but we we spend every Wednesday doing yoga at the lake and then channeling our, our planetary grief to volunteering and cleaning up the lake afterwards. And that's a commitment. Rainy season, we'll probably take a few weeks off here or there, but that's our commitment. Whether it's cold or not, we'll just bundle up and keep tending to the the land that's right before us, the, the sacred Ohlone land that we're present-day stewards of. So I think I'm mostly, as we enter into 2022, creating a little more commitment to keeping my feet on the ground that's right there before me and being able to listen to the the local community of of all things, um, animate, inanimate, human, non-human, and seeing how I can be of service next. What a wonderful mission for each of us to to consider mm-hmm. and sit with. Thank you so much. Well, you shine awful brightly. I mean, you attracted me over here in Texas so that we could interview. So thank you. Um, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me sit with you and Mario and Horace, if Horace is Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Horace is my cat, for those who don't know. <laughs> 
thank you. And I wish you and yours a wonderful Thanksgiving. Yes. I may I close with, with, do we have time? Yes, please. I just want to, as a white male that has, you know, acknowledged many different cultures and, and ways of, of honoring this season of gratitude, I'd like to ask the, the Polynesian prayer of Ho'oponopono into the space. Yes. And um, if each of us can just repeat after you know, these sacred words of, I love you, I love please you. forgive me. Please forgive me. I forgive you. I forgive you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. What a lovely exchange. Perfect way to conclude. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening or watching or both. Thank you for joining us. Let us know what you think at journeyofpossibilities.com. And we will see you next time on Exploring Possibilities. Possibilities.